0: Love, talk, radio. And hello NFL fans, welcome to this installment of the AFC North podcast presented by 24-7 Sports. My name is Brian Diardo reporting just outside of Latrobe, uh, where St. Vincent College is and where the Pittsburgh Steelers training camp is. We're about almost halfway through training camp. It's been an eventful one so far for the Black and Gold so we'll obviously get into that as a lot of our listeners are Steeler fans. but Some of you guys might be Browns fans, Bangalore Ravens fans. This is the AFC North podcast. So we'll also be discussing you know, stock up, stock down for each AFC North team. We'll also get into more specifics. Uh, you know, Des Bryant, what's going on with him, Josh Gordon, with what's happening with him in Cleveland, and obviously the, the Le'Veon Bell ongoing drama and how the Steelers are dealing with that. And then lastly, we'll talk about each quarterback and what you can expect from each of them. Uh, in the AFC North this season, and obviously the Browns have a few of them. So Josh has a few of them to go with. But also, happy birthday to Josh Edwards! The second half of the pod, the second part of the podcast. So how you doing, Josh? How's your birthday been going so
1: far, man? Hey, you know, it's a typical day. It's a Tuesday, so how much can you actually celebrate your birthday through the week? Um, it's been good though. Just uh, been getting some work done with a day off from from Browns training camp, and uh, just trying to get ahead for a little trip trip to uh the northeast part of the country here later this week but uh it's been fine i can't complain it's it's
0: crazy covering the nfl uh because you in the off season it's a lull and you know you start it in in january or february whenever your team ends the seasons end and you're you're like how am i going to get through the off season with such little content now and then you know you've got your combine you've got your draft obviously free agency seasons a melee um but once it gets to the dog days of June, it gets a little dry. And it's funny because, like, once training camp starts for, for the content machine, it's like Christmas. And it's so funny when you get a rare day like this. It's a good day because you get a chance. To, and and uh, we're broadcasting this on a Tuesday whenever you guys are uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, most teams are taking their break. Uh, the Steelers are, have 11 practices in 12 days. Their next break will be Monday. So They'll be practicing now through Monday. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing, though. You get a, a little breath of fresh air, but, but you also kind of wish uh, you had content to work with, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword. So, And uh, I already see the NFL.com lists are already blossoming up this evening because, once again, you got to keep the content machine rolling. And uh, we're glad you're joining us here in the AFC North podcast. I think this is our second one so far uh, as we get ready for the season to start. And uh, we're going to start with stock up, stock down. And uh, I'll go ahead and get us started with stock up, and I'll start with the Steelers. Uh You know, Josh, when when we talked about the stock up or down, I honestly didn't know where I'd go with the Steelers. Um, But I'm going to go with stock up because they haven't really proven me, you know, maybe given me any reason to go stock down, honestly. Um, And you ask, what have they done to give, you know, for you to give them the stock up? They've done their best to address the Ryan Shazier situation, which is that he's not going to play this year. So. I think they're going to go more to, like, a dime defense. They're, they want more defensive backs on the field. They drafted Edmonds, who's looked so good at training camp so far. We can get to that more later. Uh, Marcus Allen was, was, you know, really dinged up, the fifth-round pick from Penn State to safety during our, um, spring practices. But um, So we still only really know exactly what to expect out of him this season and, and right now. Um, and, you know, Le'Veon Bell, obviously him not being there, but it seems like the team is, has really done a good job as opposed to last year, they've done a much better job, I think, this season moving on. Uh, James Conner's in great shape. Uh, Javari and Franklin, I think, will make the team as an undrafted ro- rookie. I think I mentioned him in the last podcast. but you know, So, in general, I, I think there's a stock up. You know, In general, I, I think uh, the trajectory of the team is good. So, I'm going to give them a stock up for the Steelers. Uh, and I'll head it to you, Josh, for the Browns.
1: Well, I'll say I think I was kind of in the same thought process with you um, in regards to the Steelers because – I didn't know whether I was going to go stock up or stock down with them either. Um, you know, you look at the moves they've kind of made this offseason. It hasn't been too much. Obviously, you part ways with Martavis Bryant. I thought they had a very good acquisition with James Washington in the draft. But otherwise, it's, it's a pretty similar team. I mean, you're, you're moving on from Mike Mitchell, obviously. Um, they've added a few guys in the secondary with Morgan Burnett, as well as uh, the aforementioned Terrell Edmonds. Um, So I think that's a strengthened part of that defense. You obviously had a lot of injuries last year, and I think just a healthier unit and the return of Ben Roethlisberger probably uh, warrants a stock up for the Steelers. Um, As it relates to the Browns, I don't think you can argue that they are definitely stock up at this point. Uh, You know, and if you want to start with anything, you start with the fact that they were 0-16 last year and 1-15 the year before. It's not too hard to go up from there and uh, I think the moves that general manager John Dorsey has made this offseason has not only improved this team for this coming season but has set them up for success for you know the next handful of years and I think Cleveland is finally starting to look at some relevancy in the eyes you've got uh, Tyrod Taylor coming over in a trade you got Jarvis Landry coming in a trade Um, You added some key pieces on the defensive side of the ball. You've got a completely remade cornerback position. Um, It looked like Josh Corden was going to be a part of the mix. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. You added Baker Mayfield in the first round of the draft. You added Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State. Um, You know, you've got Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, several new pieces to this roster, and I don't think that – there's any reason to believe that the Browns are going to be worse than they were a year ago. And they, you know, can't be worse than they were a year ago in terms of record. But if you look at the talent on the field, I think they're much more improved heading into the 2018 season.
0: Yeah. And I'll go with you with the Browns, because I think, I think the biggest thing that I like in Cleveland is the continuity. They have the same head coach um, and they bring in Todd Haley, um, which uh, and, you know, I really like what they did last year with Coach Williams on the defensive side. So, I know Haley's new, but you've still got continuity within, you know, uh, the head coach with your defensive coordinator, and they know Haley. You know, they know him from the division and whatnot. So, I love that. And I love the fact that that they're going to continue to hopefully, if you're a Cleveland fan, build off of that. And it's not – I mean, you just you can't keep bringing in a new coach with a new philosophy and a new direction every year. And, I mean, you see it with – and even, you know – you look at Cincinnati, um, you know, you, you look at the Bengals and with Marvin Lewis, yes, like they haven't won a Super Bowl, they haven't even won a playoff game, but you kind of know what you're going to get out of Marvin Lewis. I mean, you know, they've had the 12 wins, they've had the, the 11 wins, but usually you're going to, you know, Bengals are going to win anywhere. From, they're going to probably average eight or, eight or nine wins a season. and at least, But, but at least you know that and what you're getting out of Marvin Lewis. You really don't know yet where, what you're going to get with Hugh Jackson because quite frankly I just don't think he's had enough time. I think the Browns were pretty broken when he got there and I think he in a short amount of time has really built uh what I think will be a respectable team. I remember last year, Josh, you know, you said that uh, the Browns could possibly make the jump to, you know, get over the Bengals to be the third best team in the AFC North and I think I think they will be the third best team this year. I don't know if it's gonna be the Bengals or the Elite Frog or the Ravens or maybe the Steelers. I don't know, but I don't think they're gonna be in the cellar again. Um, and we're gonna move over to the um to the Baltimore Ravens and uh, it's it's tough. I'm going to give them a stock down just cuz I don't I just I just you know, John Harbaugh just a few years ago was a Super Bowl winning coach and now it's it's kind of hard to believe already that that he's on the hot seat there and you know they have the quarterback controversy you know that, that well that could be starting between Flacco and Lamar Jackson and you know it, it doesn't seem like that's a good formula for a team that's trying to, to make noise in the – you know, in, to make the playoffs and whatnot. Um, and I think until they know 100% who's going to be their starter moving forward, and it looks like it's going to be Jackson. You don't draft a quarterback late in the first round if you don't want him to eventually be the successor. So I just – you know, I, I think that potentially could be a really good thing for them, but it almost seems like the Ravens, Josh, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think the Ravens are almost trying to see – how, A, Flacco responds, and, B, if they honestly need to just do a complete rebuild. Because it, it, it seems like the Ravens have tried to stay relevant with the nucleus they've had the last several years. They've lost some pieces. They've tried to rebuild them with veterans like Mike Wallace, a former Steeler, and some other pieces. And they still have Charles Suggs, who's a cornerstone, and Flacco, who's a cornerstone. You know, But in large, it, it seems like this team has tried to stay relevant. Uh, but not done a complete rebuild. They, I think they've thought for a while this team might be good enough as it is to get into the playoffs. And then, you know, once you're in the playoffs, you never know. You've seen the Giants win as a six seed. You've seen the Steelers win as a six seed. But they haven't even have been able to get into the playoffs. They had a couple of 500 seasons. To me, I go stock down on the Ravens. I, I don't see them. I just don't think they got the guy, whether it's offensively or defensively, that's really going to make a big difference for them. So I'm going stock down on the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I look at the Ravens and, you know, there's just not much to get excited about. You've got Joe Flacco. You've got John Harbaugh, a couple of guys that have been there for, you know, a a considerable amount of time now. Haven't done a whole lot over the past couple of years. Um, Joe Flacco has never been great, a great quarterback in the regular season. He's risen to a – very respectable level in the playoffs the the couple times that they've gotten there but regular season he just leaves a little bit to be to be desired and I think that team has lost some pieces along the offensive line over the last couple of years Um, the defense they've got a very good defense still but the offensive side of the ball you really didn't do anything to help Joe Flacco You've got Michael Crabtree and John Brown that you signed in free agency. Are you supposed to get excited about either one of those guys? Are opposing defense is supposed to be scared of either one of those guys? And then you look at what they did in the draft. They, they added a 25-year-old with their first-round pick, the tight end Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina. You've got Orlando Brown, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma, a guy that put up one of the worst combine performances that has ever been seen. And he did better at his pro day, but this is a guy that he doesn't necessarily look pretty when he watches highlights. He somehow gets the job done, but none of it looks like he actually had control of the situation. Um, so for that fact, I mean, you could say it's a cool story because his dad played for the Ravens, but that move doesn't really excite me either. I really liked Mark Andrews, the tight end out of, out of Oklahoma. I think that's a very solid option for, for Joe Flacco. Um, Lamar Jackson, I think he's got that it factor, but I'm also not convinced that he's got the mental makeup to succeed. I've you know watched a lot of film on him. He struggles on third and fourth down throws. Um, I just I don't know that he's going to be able to lead them over the top when there's a game on the line. Uh, that's kind of my biggest concern with him at this point. So I'm going to get Baltimore stock down. I think it's, you know, hovering around media, you know, like just middle of the road for this year. But I, I just – there's nothing about what they did that excited me.
0: What do you make of the Bengals here? That's the last thing we haven't gotten to. Those are kind of in line so far. Um I'm going to go stock up with the Bengals. And the reason why is because I think this team does have enough talent to make it back into the tournament. Um, I think they've had a couple of down years. Um, they haven't been able to close out games. And they've had some a, a bad spell of injuries. But I like Nixon, the running back. Statistically, you know, it's funny because I thought he was better than his statistics last year. And I think he's going to have a big season. Um, I like their receivers. You know, they, they lost a few good receivers after the fifteen season. They still have A.J. Green, but they really weren't re- able to replace some of the secondary guys that they had on that offense. And Eifer has not been able to stay healthy. Um, I don't like them, obviously, as much as the Browns and the Steelers, but I definitely think they are ahead of the Ravens in terms of stock up, stock down. Um, I would say if I had to rank the four teams right now, I honestly would say, you know, Steelers, just in terms of their off-seasons, um, I mean, you could argue Browns and Steelers, honestly, but I think they're both at the top. And after that, I'd probably go Bengals and Ravens. But um, I do think the Bengals still have the pieces to be a playoff team. I really do. I think there's too many good teams in front of them where they probably won't make the playoffs again. But I do see them, again, hovering around the 500 mark. I, I thought it was good they heard of Adam Jones, who's was kind of aging in, the- in decline. Um, their defense has so many good pieces. Uh, Colin, you know, Carlos Dunlap and uh, – they have a few other pieces that are – that are. I mean, Kirkpatrick's a pretty tough cornerback. They signed him to a big contract last year when the Steelers snipped him uh, the opening day of free agency. Um, they have too much talent to not be a better team. Um, the question is going to be how well they do within the division. They can't get swept by Pittsburgh anymore. Um, are they going to handle their business against Cleveland like they have in recent years? But is that going to continue? Um, you know, And are they going to get consistent play from Andy Dalton because, you know, they – had a really good backup in place that could have potentially replaced Dalton. They traded him, so they don't have him anymore. So it's Dalton's team, and it always has them, but now it's unquestioned Dalton's team. He has no one looking over his shoulder. Some quarterbacks like Flacco, apparently, you know, Josh Baltimore thinks Flacco needs a guy looking over his shoulder. You know, it was clear with Dalton it didn't matter. He was still not going to – and maybe he knew. Maybe he knew they have so much money invested in me, it doesn't matter who's behind me, it's a bluff because I'm still going to play. So they just removed the bluff. So it's Dalton's team, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does with that. And uh, but I still do. I think overall the the, the Arrow has on them, and I, I I just think Josh they they have too much time. I think I think the the Ravens are going to eventually just blow this whole thing up. And I think I think Harbaugh is in his last season with the Ravens. I think the Bengals will figure it out, and I think that they'll be the third best team in the division this
1: season. Well, we have our first disagreement because I think you know once they made the decision to bring Marvin well first they made the decision that he was going to be gone and then they decided to bring him back which that type of he hauling is not anything new when you look at the Bengals organization um it's a guy it's a it's an organization that's kind of cut corners when it comes to finances over the years and it's you know they just they just side with continuity even though there's been no results to kind of warrant that continuity so You've got Marvin Lewis back. You've got Andy Dalton back, but I don't think either one of those two has shown to be enough to get the Bengals over the over the hill. Um, this has been a team that has been to the playoffs several times, but they've yet to win one of those playoff games. I think it's time for them to to kind of you know reshape their roster um, just across the board. There's you know you look at the defense. It's kind of like dry rot. It looks fine on the surface, but if you poke at it a little bit, it's going to fall apart. That linebacker core is is not great by any means. Um, you did add Preston Brown in free agency. I look at the offensive line, one of the most important aspects of the game. You know, the Bengals have allowed Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, Andre Smith to walk in free agency over the last three or four years. Uh, you lost Russell Bodine. I mean, it's just they don't invest on their offensive line whatsoever, and if you can't protect the quarterback, he's not going to be able to get the ball to uh, A.J. Green or Tyler Iver for the, the two or three games that he's actually on the field. I just don't see any sort of excitement with this team right now. They've always had the epitome of a boom or bust draft. Um, they always take those high-risk, high-reward guys, whether it's injuries, whether it's character issues, and I think if you build it it's almost like building a house on a foundation of sand. It's gonna be fine for a few years, but eventually it's gonna to come toppling down. And I think that's what Cincinnati did with all of those health and character risks that they took. Um, you know, I looked at the most recent example of their draft. Billy Price, a guy that's coming off an injury, I really like him if he's able to be if he's able to stay healthy. Jesse Bates, safety from Wake Forest, I really liked him, very smart player. Sam Har- Hubbard, similar thing with from Ohio State, the defensive end. I think he's a solid, consistent player. I think he's – you probably know his ceiling. He's not going to be an elite guy in this, at this level, but he's going to be a very consistent producer for you. Malik Jefferson, another high-risk, high-reward type guy. Um, loads of talent, just wasn't able to produce at the college level. You've got a guy, Mark Walton, the running back from Miami that I really liked, and you've got – Andrew Brown, a defensive tackle from Virginia, who again has a lot of talent, but is dealing with some issues of his own. So if they can somehow get all of this to come together, then yeah, maybe they're able to get to 800 this year, but I just don't see it. I I look at the continuity that they've had and it's, it's not always good when you have continuity as it relates to the Bengals because they should have moved on from Marvin Lewis at least a couple of years ago. So this is the first disagreement we've had. I'm going stock down on the Bengals. And you kind of, you kind of like, convinced me, man.
0: <laughs> but I'm going, stay, I'm going to stay with my gun. We have to have some disagreements. And I guess for me, I always see the best side of the Bengals because they, it seems like they always typically give the Steelers their best. I know the first matchup, Fancy Pittsburgh last year, the Steelers pulled away in the second half and kind of made a statement. Um, the second game, obviously, the game was Shazier was hurt. It was an emotional, high-intensity, high-volume game. Steelers pulled away late and won. Um, but it seems like I always see the best side of the Bengals. And I, I do think you are more right, but I'm going to stick with my guns, and I do think the Bengals have enough cont- – like, of the good continuity, uh, ten to be 500. But it, it is crazy there because it just seems like no matter what, Marvin Lewis is going to keep his job. And that's just something that you know, and it's insane to me because I, I agree with you. I mean, when after the 16 season, I would have parted with him, I think, because in 15 they were 12 and 4. Uh, the Steelers, you know, they beat them in that crazy playoff game, but I thought after 12 and 4 season, you can't part with a coach, you know. But after 16, when they had a disappointing season, they didn't even sniff the playoffs. They weren't 500. They got swept by Pittsburgh. Uh, at that point, I would have parted with them. Uh, and then last year was it was more of the same. I mean, they kind of had two identical seasons. But I, I I don't know them and the Ravens or Josh, they're in very similar situations. The Steelers have enough talent. Um, I think their Super Bowl window is closing for sure. Um, I think their best chance to win a Super Bowl, Pittsburgh, was last year. Um, but I, I mean, I still think they certainly have a chance this season with the talent they have. But the division is only going to get harder. But I think that the Bengals or the Ravens, one of them is going to lose their head coach this year. And I just think because of the fact that the Bengals, they gave Lewis a two-year deal, he's going to coach through that deal um, just because of how the Bengals operate or lack thereof. But I I think that that one or both of those teams will implode this season. I just like to think that it's Baltimore because I just – I don't know. I don't think it's good for a team to go into a season with a quarterback controversy – and a coach that's on the hot seat. But who knows? I mean, maybe they'll parlay that into some success. But let's talk now about uh, some of more of the, you know, I don't want to say controversial, but some hot-button topics. And, again, if if you're just joining the show, thanks for joining us. Josh Edwards, Brian Diardo, ASC North Podcast. Let's talk uh, about some of the the players for each team. You know, Josh Gordon uh, announced that he wasn't going to be at the the start of training camp. What's the the feel on Josh Gordon, Josh, or our – are the Browns and Browns fans, are they alarmed? Are they optimistic? What, what's going on with the, with the Josh Gordon situation?
1: Well, I, I on the surface, the Browns don't sound too alarmed by what's happening. Uh, they're simply saying that they're respecting his privacy right now, and they really don't have a timetable for when he re- might return, although John Dorsey seems to think that Uh, It'll be in a month or or less, uh, which would put him back before the start of the season. But I'm just not as confident based on some of the stuff that they've said. If you kind of read into um, the wording on some of the stuff that they've used and uh, some of the the media reports that have been out there, I think there might be more to this than we know at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if something came out, obviously, here in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the start of the regular season. You know, but Cleveland can't rely on Josh Gordon. If you listen to Jarvis Landry, he said earlier this week, they can't wait for Josh Gordon to get back on the field. This is a team that has playoff aspirations this season. And if Josh Gordon's not out there, they've got to figure out a way to to kind of make up some of that loss in production. Um, and, you know, you look at former first-round pick, Corey Coleman is the guy that could possibly step up in Gordon's absence. But – Just back to Gordon, it seems like something else is going on. You look at his past, you can't really trust him. So I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be available for all 16 games this season, but there has been no official announcement to this point to suggest otherwise. So it's just kind of wait and see mode right now. Yeah, and that's kind of how things are on the other side. When we talk about the
0: Le'Veon Bell situation, you know, he – He's on camp, which everybody kind of expects, but the, but the question for me is, and I guess for you it's the same kind of question, is at what point do you just say, Hey, we're better off without this. and for me, I, I can't answer that for the Browns, I'll let you answer that. But like well were they better off trading him in the off season? Were they better getting pieces for him? The Steelers in my opinion should have put the restricted restricted franchise tag on Bell this off season. Well that would have done is a team could have had the chance to match the off could you know, they could have presented Le'Veon with an offer, which is, I, I guarantee, I mean, obviously a team would have, and the Steelers would have had a chance to either match it or, or let him go. But if you let him go, you get two first-round picks, one in 18, one in 19. And then you could have gotten, uh, if it was the Giants, they probably would have been in play. You could have got Sinquan Barkley. Or you could have gotten Roquan Smith if you, you know, and could have used that first-round pick on a linebacker and then got, get, gotten a running you, know, you could get a running back later. Um, they're going to end up getting nothing for Le'Veon Bell. And I think that's going to be the most like disheartening thing of all of this, is that the Steelers aren't going to get anything for this. You're going to get one year of Le'Veon Bell. Honestly, my opinion, he's going to work hard. He's going to want to get his stats. He's going to want to help the Steelers win a ring. Um, but ultimately, how invested are you? Um, the Steelers vow there's going to be no issues when he comes back, and it's going to be all harmony. And Kubaba. can can you really say that? And if you're the Steelers, if you know you're going to lose this guy, don't you want to get James Conner more carries? Don't you want to see what, what he could give you? Uh, so to me, you know, I, I'm against the double franchising, Josh. I think that in the next contract uh, that the players are going to vouch for with the, with the collective bargaining agreement, I think that's 2021, I think they're definitely going to try to eradicate the, the, the double franchise tag. Yes, it gives the player another year of guaranteed money. Um, but to me, I just don't think it's fair for the organization. And it's obviously not not – that great for the player yes the argument could be well yeah but Le'Veon could have signed a deal but you know I think after five years in the league Le'Veon deserved the right to test his uh, see his value what it is in the open market and the fact he won't you know if he gets an injury this season a serious injury he will never see that he'll never get a chance to see what his market would have been right now at age 26 and what he's done Um, and I just I don't think that's fair to him um, and also, I don't think it's good for the Steelers, because obviously, and they've said it, you know, one year of Le'Veon Bell is better than no more years with Le'Veon Bell. I actually kind of disagree. And I know people think he's great and all this stuff, but, you know, I, and again, I'll ask you, like, were the, were the Browns better off getting rid of Gordon? What do you think they would have gotten for him? My answer to Le'Veon is they should have put their restricted tag on him and gotten two first-round picks and moved on. That's just my opinion with that.
1: Yeah, in terms of Gordon, I I think it's just a couple different circumstances because Le'Veon Bell is um, a guy that you can at least trust to be on the field if he's under contract, a contract that he's happy with, rather. Um, You know, you were going to get more in return for a potential trade with Le'Veon Bell, whereas Josh Gordon, the fact that he's missed so many games, he's proven he can't be reliable. Cleveland was not going to get much in a potential trade for Josh Gordon, so... I think when you weigh the risk reward of a player like Josh Gordon, you come to terms with the fact that you're going to get more from the player if you're going to keep him on the roster than say the fifth or sixth round pick that you probably get in a trade for him. Um, so I think that's why Cleveland has held on to him for so long. They know the ability that's there. It's a matter of just getting him on the field, but if something happens this time around, I I really think that they have to consider moving on from him because this is a franchise that has made a lot of roster, a lot of roster changes over the past four months. And they, you know, hope to make the playoffs this season and, and be a relevant team for several years to come. And you can't really rely on Josh Gordon to help, you know, to help get you where you want to be and to be a part of that equation. So um, I think if, if something does come to light here with Josh Gordon, they have to consider moving on from him.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it's tough because, you, you know, you see the potential. You see um, what a guy can give you. And I mean, Gordon's been an all-pro. Le'Veon's been an all-pro. But there just comes to a point when it's like, you know, football's a team sport, and a lot of people forget that. And it's amazing when you when you look at the team that just won the Super Bowl, the Eagles, didn't have a Pro Bowl running back, didn't have a Pro Bowl receiver. That didn't mean they didn't have talented players. At, at those positions, those skill positions, but they had depth. They invested in their offensive lines. They invested in their defense. They were fast. Um, they had a system that everybody executed and bought into. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, you, you fall in love with the big names, but you, you remember that, that teams win Super Bowls, teams win championships. And, you know, sometimes that you can obviously forget that, and I don't think the Steelers should, put, should have put that money into the way beyond. Because if you do – you know, Ben now all of a sudden is saying he might play in 2020. So you've got to start – I mean, obviously you need to think about winning in the now, but now you've got to start thinking about, you know, 2020 and what is going to be happening down the road. I mean, that's kind of the battle with the GM. You're always – you obviously – your first priority is to win with the players you have. You owe it to them. You owe it to your fan base. But then you also got to think about a few years down the road. And that's where, you know, if Le'Veon leaves next year, the first question is going to be – what could we have gotten for him? And the answer is going to be you could have got first two number one picks and instead you got nothing. So, um, And there is no, like, trade, you know, you know, I don't think they'll trade him during the season. You don't see that much. I mean, you saw it with the Jai and the Eagles and Dolphins, but I just you don't see that very often. So, uh, But let's talk about Des Bryant. That's another name that's come up here. And, again, if you're joining the AFC North podcast, you got Brian Diardo, you got Josh Edwards. Um, and, uh, you know, both of our teams that we cover – have been associated with Des Bryant. Now, Des, I think has the situation is is more than just reports and whatnot with Cleveland. Like, there, I think there's actually tangible evidence that that there is there has been some interest in you know within the Brown, Browns organization of bringing in Des. Right, the Steelers. It's more you know the, there are some uncertainties with the, with the secondary receivers. Antonio tweeted that he, Des should join the team, and Des retweeted But I don't think there's any actual, like, news with the Steelers reaching out to him or being interested. But it seems like with the Browns, Josh, that actually could happen, right?
1: Honestly, I think it's been a little overblown to this point. Um, first of all, the initial reports were just completely blown out of proportion. There was a report from a beat re- uh, Cleveland beat writer that uh, was just a little – misleading in terms of the actual words that general manager, John Dorsey used and a lot of outlets kind of picked up on that and spread it out. Um, you know, we added a little bit more context to that whole equation at 24 seven sports, but you know, then there were the reports to follow that the Browns had reached out to, to Des Bryant and his representatives and they had contacted former Cowboys wide receiver, Michael Irvin to kind of get, Um, some more insight into what Bryant was going to be like in the locker room and on the field. And so there was some homework that was done, but if Cleveland was really interested in adding Des Bryant at this point, they would have already set up a visit with him. He would have already come to town and we would have an answer one way or another about whether Des Bryant was going to be the newest member of the Cleveland Browns. We haven't gotten that and I'm not saying we won't get there, Maybe Cleveland's waiting on some more clarity from the Josh Gordon situation. We'll see. I mean, there's there's still a month left here before the – more than a month, almost a month and a half before the season starts against your Steelers. And, you know, we'll have some kind of a resolution on Des Bryant by that point, I would imagine. But as of now, I don't think that – I don't think that Cleveland has decided one way or another that they are going to pursue Des Bryant.
0: I mean, with the uncertainty – I mean, because I know Gordon's even come out and said, we have the best receiving core in the league. Well, yes, if you're on the field, if you're reliable potentially with, with Coleman and, and, and you guys have brought in Jarvis Landry, we really haven't talked about much. But the question is – and are they good enough without even, like, an inconsistent Gordon? Like, is what they have potentially still good enough with, with Coleman, with Landry and whatnot? Um, so I guess the question is – Should they sign Des Bryant? And the other, you know, the big question is no one knows how much the guy wants. Because if you look up his market value, it's going to be worth a lot more than what he actually is worth. And, like, the longer he's in the open market, obviously, uh, the more that his stock is going to drop. Because obviously, there's something wrong with him. He hasn't posted a a Des Bryant type of season in a very long time. And that obviously alarms people. And and you also have to ask, why did Dallas get rid of him? So, um, is he, do, do you think the Browns should pursue him if he's interested?
1: If Josh Gordon is going to miss some time, if he's going to miss, I'll say if he's going to miss half the season or more, I would say, yeah, the Browns should be interested in Des Bryant. But we all kind of know that Des Bryant is going to be a one-year rental at this point anyway. He's looking for a team that he can come back with, make some sort of an impact, and kind of parlay that into a longer deal next offseason. He's hoping with a, a title contender. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, for what Cleveland wants from him this year, I don't necessarily think it's a fit, especially with all the young minds that they've got on their roster, no less the the wide receiver room. They drafted wide receiver Antonio Callaway from Florida, who's got some issues of his own. Corey Coleman has certainly had some issues of his own. Um, Jarvis Landry has been, you know, described as a drama queen in the past. And then you've got J- Josh Gordon and his issues. So, That whole wide receiver room already has so many issues that they're dealing with. It just doesn't make sense to add another fragile piece like Des Bryant to what you're trying to build. But we'll see what Cleveland ultimately does. It wouldn't surprise me one way or another. It would certainly add some excitement for the fan base the upcoming season and, and, uh, you know, selfishly my job as well. But but I don't know that that's what's going to come to fruition.
0: Yeah, you make a good point because ultimately you don't really know, um, you know, what he's going to bring you and how much money and how much attention, um, you know. For the Steelers, all, like literally, you know, I don't think they're going to sign him. I don't think they will. Um, and I think the thing that he is hurting – Dez is hurting himself with, and I think this is something that a lot of players need to figure out, is when you tweet garbage about your former employer or you, you run your mouth you're leaving yourself – like I mean, employers see that. The NFL teams see that. And teams like the Steelers, who don't necessarily need to sign you, they look at that and they're like, we don't need this headache because Dez Bryant has had locker room tirades. He's been divisive. Um, Now he's talking – I mean, I honestly don't know any Cowboy players that have been like, oh, I love having Dez Bryant as a teammate. Again, I don't cover Dallas. That would be a good question for Patrick Walker of 24-7 Sports, but – you know, you never hear anything about like him being a glowing teammate or make it a you know, you don't, and I'm not saying he is good or bad. I know Antonio Brown loves him, but it, to me it, is the baggage going to be worth it. And if he wants all this money, I honestly think for him, it depends on the team he goes to. Like you said, if he goes to a contender, maybe he'll take down the price. And the Steelers have about 5 million in cap space, which I don't think they want to spend entirely on one player. I think they kind of like having that flexibility right now and having a little bit extra money to play with. But, um, you know, if they're one more injured lineman away from really being in trouble. Ramon Foster went down with a hyperextended knee. They were fearing it was something that was going to be more serious. It, fortunately for them, it wasn't. But um, I just think for both parties, I think we both can agree the headache probably isn't worth the potential. Albeit, if you got a good Des Bryant, that would really help, I think, both clubs. And that would definitely make one of them the best receiving core in the league. But that's assuming that Bryant can return to at least
1: 16 form, uh, which it might be
0: asking a lot at this point.
1: Yeah, and you talk about just the comments that he made about his former team. Um, You don't have to look too far to see just how small of a world the NFL ownership is. Uh, We saw with Colin Kaepernick and the National Anthem issue, some of the other guys that have taken up his cause with um, kneeling or protesting the anthem. That spread across the NFL. Those guys are having a hard time finding work, and that's not a coincidence. That's, you know, something that's talked about among ownership. And, um, you know, it's not quite the same with Des Bryant. It's, it's a less severe issue with Des Bryant um, in terms of a league perspective. And you typically overlook those kind of headaches for a talent of Des Bryant's character. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's a, like I said, it's a small league. Owners talk. Jerry Jones, Jimmy Haslam have been on very good terms in the past. There's no doubt been a conversation or two between Jones and Haslam about the possibility of adding Des Bryant. Um, and it doesn't help that Des Bryant came out recently and said that he basically thinks uh Jerry Jones is clueless. You know, so when you're when you've only got a limited amount of of, of potential employers you have to be a little bit more smart with what you're going to say in the, in the media and on social media.
0: And I think you're exactly right. I think both the Steelers and Browns are no nonsense. I think they both want guys that are going to come in, that are going to do the right thing, say the right thing. And, and you know how the season is. It's a, it's a long season, you know, emotions can, can wear on you. And the biggest thing you can't do is snap. And I think that's one thing that people really don't think about with the NFL is these guys are always under the microscope and, That's the one thing that Belichick constantly tells his guys is ignore the noise. Don't worry about the noise. Like we're going to be fine if we take care of our business, keep everything in house. And that's how we're going to operate. And I feel like uh, that's so important within an NFL team. And he's already proven that a couple of situations he's, he's just snapped and you can't have that in the NFL. No team wants those kind of distractions. So I just think that I think an injury would have to happen for the Steelers to seriously consider Dez. I know that it's interesting because you always think steeler receivers, you think they're loaded there, they're great. But, I mean, from what I'm hearing, the rookie James Washington, he hasn't, like, over-impressed, but he hasn't really underperformed. He just kind of blended in in training camp so far. And I'm going to get a chance to see him this week, so hopefully I see some things. I know he had a nice catch during practice uh, on Monday, uh, but I'm interested to see how he's coming along. And I think it is – I mean, Juju, unfortunately, for other receivers, kind of set the bar really high for – what you can expect, what you should expect from a rookie receiver. I mean, Juju, I mean, he wasn't Randy Moss as a rookie, but he certainly was above and beyond most NFL rookies. Both, both on his just production and his impact on the team. Ben said he was a really refreshing presence last year and whatnot. So, um, but all that being said, Steelers have some question marks at receiver. I think they would rather have what they, they would rather roll in with, with what they have than pursue Des Bryant. I don't think they think the risk is worth the reward. So let's go to the quarterback uh, conversation here. Um, and we're going to talk about, you know, the, the, the four starting quarterbacks. And I know Josh, you've kind of got a, a different situation uh, in Cleveland because I know that Mayfield isn't technically the starting quarterback, but I know people are going to want to know your thoughts out there. Brown fans listening to the pot, maybe even some Steelers fans about what's going on with the Brown situation at quarterback. So with that being said, Josh, I'll hand it over to you, man. And, uh, What do you got with us for the quarterbacks uh, for Cleveland and what uh, fans can expect from both in 2018?
1: Well, Tyrod Taylor was named the starter from the day that he was acquired back in March um, in a trade with the Buffalo Bills, and that's not changed. Cleveland's been really impressed with Baker Mayfield's play on the field. They've been impressed with the amount of time that he's put into studying the game. They've been impressed with the way that he's bonded with his teammates. But for everything that you hear about positive or everything positive you hear about Baker Mayfield, you hear two things positive about Tyrod Taylor. The guy has been just the consummate leader for the organization this offseason. He's organized a couple of throwing sessions with his skill players um, in Florida, in Los Angeles. So he's just really taken this team um, by a storm in the locker room, and guys are starting to rally around him. Cleveland understands that it's not about this year for Baker Mayfield it's about you know the next 10 years with Baker Mayfield so they're trying to bring him along slowly and the fact that he has had a couple of good months in in training camp and organized team activities is not going to derail their thought process of basically redshirting him this season allowing Tyrod Taylor to lead this team to you know possibly the the playoffs um and then turn it over to Baker Mayfield a year or two down the road. Um, you know, again, Mayfield has, has been staying late on Friday nights, which is just completely different from what we saw with Johnny Manziel when he was a first-round choice by the Browns in 2014. Um, so he's just been the anti-Johnny Manziel at this point in time, a guy that's just an incredibly hard worker. He's, he's bonded well with the fan base, a very blue-collar fan base to this point. Um, So, despite all the positives I have to say about Baker Mayfield and everything that's going to be reported in the media, they are still bringing him along slowly, and it is full steam ahead with Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in the 2018 season.
0: That's interesting. But again, I I, I think that's the way to go. And, And you see with Mason Rudolph and Ben, it's not as drastic. They got Mason in the third round. They certainly didn't use a top five pick on him, but... I think it's good to have your heir apparent in, and I think it's good right away. You know, and the Steelers addressed it pretty quickly. Mason Rudolph is not going to challenge Ben Roethlisberger for a starting job this season. Now Ben gets hurt. You know, right now, I mean, they've told pretty much Mason, you're going to battle against Josh Dobbs for the third-string part. Like, you're not getting anything. Obviously, I'm assuming Mayfield isn't competing for a third-string job, maybe. But, um, you know, I know that's how the Steelers are starting, but – I think Steelers fans can expect another great year from Ben. Um, I would say the one thing to, to, to worry about would be if there isn't that. I mean, Ben really liked Martavis Bryant, and I know that Martavis had a year left on his deal. I know that, uh, unlike Le'Veon, the Steelers figured they were better without him, and the value they could get for him right now would be worth it. And, and you know, uh, and, and not they knew they weren't going to keep him next year, so um, they knew he wanted to leave. He made that kind of clear. Um, I know he was looking forward to his last season in Pittsburgh, but they decided to give him a clean slate. He's in Oakland. Um, if if Ben's rapport with Washington isn't great right off the bat, and they're over relying on Brown, then you hope with Donald can can be something. Um, he needs to prove he can stay healthy. He's already been banged up during this training camp. Unfortunately, it just seems to me like you know he could be another uh, Ladarius Green, where you know you 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 get this this free agent tight end, big guy, athletic can stretch the field, you get all excited, and then he has problems staying on the field. Unfortunately, it seems like – and so then Jesse James will have to step up. But that really would be the only fear. You know, Ben, as long as he's healthy, he's only going to get better, probably for the next couple of years. When he's floating with 40, then we'll have the conversation if, if he could, if he's still playing. Right now, his uh, contract would run out. He'll he'd be approaching his 38th birthday. But as Drew Brees has shown, as Tom Brady's shown, um, I mean, it's almost like 40 is the new – 30 35 for quarterbacks probably the 35 but um so obviously ben's got probably two more years minimum of being big ben and maybe after that he slows down he's lost weight he's come into camp looking great um they said he's usually in the 260 range when he comes into camp he's 250 so that shows you that his uh listed weight of 6'4 240 is inaccurate <laughs> but i think everybody kind of assumed that uh, that's what it was when he came in the league and he's obviously bigger than he was back then but uh but, no, I think fans can expect a lot from Ben again, uh, but you just got to make sure that uh, his receiving core is good and that he's not over-reliant on Le'Veon and, obviously, uh, Antonio Brown. And, and that's the other thing, too, is that uh, – and this is where, you know, Steelers fans might want to worry a little bit. Brown's, quote-unquote, worst statistical season in the last four years is the one year he didn't have Brian in 16th. And I think that's the biggest thing to worry about. Um, his numbers were still all pro, you know, status – not quite as eye popping as the last couple of years when Brian's been on the field. So, and I'll go right into the to the Ravens, and then we'll finish up with Josh and the Bengals. Um, you know, so I'm going to take another approach here. I know I said earlier that you don't want to go into a season with quarterback controversy, but if Flacco really is, and I think for Flacco, I think you know Ben is is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think he's crossed that threshold. He's won two rings. He's been a Pro board each of for the last four years. I think Flacco's at almost like – I think after Ben, there's like Eli, then there's Flacco, where it's like – the the verdict's still kind of out there on Flacco, even though he's won a ring. Andy was a Super Bowl MVP. I think that the jury still is out a little bit on him. So with that being said, I think that Flacco uh, might thrive here. It might bring out the best in him. But that being said, he doesn't have a great supporting cast, Um I think their running game is is strong, but they don't really have any great receivers right now that are proven. Their offensive line isn't very great. So I don't think he's set up for success. So I think, you know, you're going to get a more motivated Flacco, but if the rest of the team isn't performing, it's kind of like what you said, Josh, about the Bengals. If the rest of your team isn't built the right way, especially the offensive line, then what kind of success can you expect from your quarterback? So that being said, uh, I think you're going to get another – Solid season from Flacco, but if it's not a great season, they're going to replace him. So uh, all I know is this. You're going to get a determined Flacco this season. But I will go on a limb and say this. I think you definitely will see Lamar Jackson play this season. I, I don't see the season going well for Baltimore, and I see at some point them giving Lamar Jackson a shot and a chance. To, and I think he actually could play a quarter of the season, especially if the Ravens are playing meaning meaningless games in December that may as well go with Jackson and see what you've got, because you know what you've got with Flacco. You know, he's 32, 33, he's not changing. So that's where I think about the Ravens. Unfortunately, not, not if you're a Raven fan, not very high on them. But, yeah, I, I think you'll get a very determined Flacco, but at the end of the day, you need your team to succeed, and I just don't think the Ravens are built to help him much.
1: The Steelers and Ravens, both of those situations just seem very interesting to me once the draft had come and gone because we kind of heard out of both camps that either Joe Flacco and Ben Roethlisberger were both unhappy with the team's decisions to draft rookie quarterbacks. I did not understand Roethlisberger's opinion whatsoever because it's very clear that as long as he is healthy and playing, it's his team. He's not going to be pushed by a third-round pick from, from Oklahoma State, especially as a rookie. Um So that one was a little confusing for me. As far as Baltimore and Flacco are concerned, there's a very real threat when it comes to Lamar Jackson because he brings this added dynamic of being a a dual-threat quarterback that can run the ball and throw the ball, and that's something that Joe Flacco has not been able to do. Um, Flacco has not necessarily slammed the door shut on his doubters over the years. Um, and he has every right to be a little bit more concerned about the fact that he's actually got some quarterback competition this, this season. Um, I think I read a report that for maybe the first time in his career, he had actually organized a a uh, summer throwing session with some of his tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, something that he hadn't done in in any other part of his career with the Ravens. So that suggests that he is at least a little bit aware of the situation that he could possibly lose his job this coming season. The final team that we have to talk about is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we've talked about Andy Dalton and how he's been, a you know, the, the quarterback of the Bengals for quite some time, and it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. The team let A.J. McCarron walk in free agency after he won his, his uh, arbitration with the league. So he signed with the Buffalo Bills. Now you look at the quarterback room, you've got Jeff Driscoll, you've got Matt Barkley, and you've got Logan Woodside, the rookie quarterback from Toledo, just down the road from in, uh, in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. None of those guys are going to overtake Andy Dalton this year, and none of them really pose a long-term threat to him either, as long as he wants to keep playing the game. Woodside is a guy that was talked about kind of, glowingly from some NFL draft analysts, but his first impression on the team was going out and getting a DUI arrest. You know, that's not going to win over anybody in that organization. He's only creating a much farther distance between him and Andy Dalton at this stage. Matt Barkley, we all know who Matt Barkley is. He's not the guy that's going to lead the Bengals to the playoffs. Jeff Driscoll, same thing. He's not the guy that's going to lead the Bengals to the playoffs. It's an open, shut case with the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy Dalton being the starting quarterback this season. I think in the next couple of years, you really have to look at them as a possible team that's targeting a quarterback in in the early rounds of the NFL draft.
0: I I would argue with that, man. I I think you're spot on. And uh, it's funny because – each team's kind of at a different place with their quarterback situation. The Ravens are pretty much they're putting the pressure on Flacco and Harbaugh and either they make the playoffs and make a run. Um I honestly don't even know Josh if just going to the first round is going to be enough. I think it probably will be. Um but cause I don't think Baltimore's like Pittsburgh. If the Steelers lose in the first round this year, I, I think Tom will finishes his uh you know, his stay, he's signed for three more years, but the pressure will be even more on him, and maybe he'll have to let go. I definitely think the pressure's on Keith Butler, the D coordinator. To, um, You know, uh, he's already now in his fourth season. The pressure's on him to get this defense good. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody's really blaming him for losing Shazier that late into a season, not having a definitive answer. Um, it's obviously not a great look, but I don't think anybody's really putting that on him. Uh, but that being said... Now you've had a whole off season to to get over not having Shazier, and I think that Keith Butler is certainly on the hot spot, the hot seat. But you know, I think in Baltimore, you know, they're in pretty much win or blow it up mode. I think Cincinnati. Um, I think Cincinnati. Very honestly, it's kind of like purgatory. I mean, I just I just don't think that uh, you're going to get much change there. So I think Bengal fans. I mean, you could have a six and ten team. You could have a ten and six team. I, I don't see the ceiling being more than ten for. Cincinnati. I mean, Cleveland, I mean, you've got to have optimism. I mean, this is a team that's building. They were in a lot of games last year. They weren't able to finish any. Um, they still have, you know, Hugh Jackson, and I think that's certainly a good move. Um, I think their receiving quarter is strong. Uh, we didn't talk about running backs. We'll get more into, into more positions as we delve along here in the podcast. Um, but I think there's certainly optimism there. And then Pittsburgh, I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust um, for this team. And like I said, I, I think that – uh, for the Steelers, um, the window. Uh, I think last year was their their better chance to win. But I still do think that the, that the window is open, but I think it is certainly closing soon. So it's super, certainly Super Bowl or bust for them. But uh, those are my closing thoughts, Josh. And generally, it, it should be an interesting division. Um, I know a lot of people don't think it's the greatest division anymore, and you know it, it's it's amazing. Just a few years ago, three teams out of the North were making the playoffs. Now, 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 you know, last year only one team made it. So. Um, You know, it's certainly not the greatest division anymore, but I think it's still an interesting one with a lot of different narratives and storylines to follow this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty fierce rivalries in the AFC North, and, um, you know, there's obviously some animosity between the fan bases, but at the same time, I think fans of each one of these teams, these organizations, really take pride in what the AFC North has been built on, which is... Um, you know, hard-nosed running the football, uh, very tough defense, aggressive defense, and that's kind of the calling card of the AFC North over over its history, and I think a lot of fans took pride in that. You know, there's some blue-collar towns in, in each of those, um, you know, four organizations, and fans were able to take some pride on three teams making the playoffs, and, you know, the fact that it's kind of had some very you know, slim years over the last couple of years, and the fact that it's not viewed as one of the best conferences, one of the best divisions anymore, I think that kind of hurts some fans. I think they they like to see the division itself carry a little bit more weight from a national perspective than what it currently does. So, um, you know, whether it's now or in a couple of years, hopefully some of these teams kind of get – the direction of their franchise figured out, and they become more competitive from a league-wide stance. And uh, the AFC North kind of rises back to where it needs to become. But for the time being, it looks like the Steelers are, again, going to be the the cream of the crop in the AFC North. And then there's three teams just trying to figure it out this year. So, uh, you know, it could be a middle-of-the-road 8-8 season. It could be a top-five pick. We just don't know. That's something that's going to be sorted out over the next um, five, six months, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, exciting to see the direction that this division goes in that time period.
0: Definitely, and it definitely will be an exciting one, Josh. Uh, I'm happy we're doing this, man. You know, every year the last couple of years, our fourth year working together, you know, we're both very busy, obviously, covering our teams and whatnot, but it's always fun to do these podcasts. We don't have any other AFC North writers, um, so maybe if we get a Bengal writer, or Ravens writer in here, you know, um, we do our best to, to talk to you about them, but obviously uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll get another one of those writers sometime in soon. But but for Josh, this is Brian signing off. Thanks again for joining us and uh, keep it locked right here on the AFC North Podcast presented by 24-7 Sports.